Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that never stops learning about the ins and outs of real estate. And today we're asking what's behind a 250% growth in investment into student accommodation around Europe in the last 10 years. The amount of students that are studying in different countries has risen dramatically. We have 5 million international students globally and this 5 million is going to become 8 million according to forecasts by 2025. And if it's good enough for students, can the same model solve housing shortages once they've joined the real world? Real estate is less about real estate, it's about service. Because creating a community and curating the experience is what works on retention and uh, holding the value. I'm Guy Ruddle and with me are three people who know more about this stuff than is uh, than is almost humanly possible. Marcus Roberts is a director in the Operational Capital Markets team at Savills. He's a specialist in student, multifamily and senior living. Is that right, Marcus? That's correct, Guy. Yes, thank you very much. Welcome to Real Estate Insights. Carlo Matta heads the European platform for CA Ventures, a property investment business that started out focusing on student accommodation, but now invest in a a wide range of assets, Carlo. That's correct. Thank you, Guy. And on the phone from Athens is Eri Mitzesterju, who's no stranger to to Real Estate Insights. She's a Savills European Research Director. She helps both clients and people inside Savills understand the European commercial real estate scene. Eri, lovely to talk to you again. How are you? Very well, thank you. Good morning. So I'm going to start off with an acronym. PBSA, Purpose Built Student Accommodation. This is what you what you talk about in your world, right? Absolutely, yes. What is it exactly? So Purpose Built Student Accommodation is typically a two to six bed cluster flat with a shared kitchen dining area within a scheme of 400 to 800 student beds with associated communal space, that could incorporate karaoke rooms, cinema rooms, gyms, larger fitness centres, and of course, study areas. And does it usually accommodate all those things? I mean, I, I, you know, full disclosure, I've got two kids who are in or you're coming to the end of university. So they've done the, the first year student halls thing in these big you know, tower blocks, basically, which is what you're talking about. I'm not sure that many of them had karaoke rooms and all that sort of stuff. Because you're, what you're suggesting is, is rather lovely... But does it all really have all that? Well, uh, I think is uh, um, uh, what we're seeing. We're seeing a transformation in the market. So, uh, uh, if you, if you look at the UK, but even the US, ten, fifteen years ago, they didn't have karaoke to answer your question. So it was very basic uh, accommodation, and then slowly, slowly, the the offering changed because the 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 behavioural behavior changed, the demand changed. Uh, there was more and more influx in UK um, of international students, and this student demand a different uh, quality. So while for uh, the typical Brit student, British student, you know, pa- passing four years uh, uh, sharing a moldy bathroom is a badge of honor, for the, uh, the average <laughs> Chinese student or uh, uh, American student, actually, uh, that's not. Uh, the other thing that happened, I think, and, and uh, Marcus knows this very well, is that um, student living really caught the attention of the investors. And that started to really change in 2008 with the big crisis. 
So what happened in U.S. and in U.K. is that uh, uh, student housing was the only asset class that not hold, not only hold the value, but uh, uh, increased it. And so large institutional investors start paying attention and start pulling money, and the the the, the product became you know went from uh, uh, alternative kind of a wild crazy stuff to uh, institutional, and that institutional capital now wants demands prime quality space to invest in. So, Eri, what Carlo is talking about sort of from the investor side makes perfect sense. But, but why there's such why there's such big growth in demand sort of across Europe over the last 10 years or so? It's uh, it's down to the rising, uh, it's down to, to mobility, student mobility. Uh, the, the, the the amount of students that uh, are uh, studying uh, in in different countries has has risen dramatically over over the past decade, as uh, as we discuss. So um, you know, like the, the, as an indication, we have five million uh, international students uh, globally, and this is sixty sixty five percent higher than it was. 10 years ago, and this 5 million is going to become 8 million according to forecast by 2025. This is what fuels demand for, uh, for student housing uh, predominantly. And is it very different in different countries? Because, you know, you can imagine... I mean, if, if you look at the UK, I know everybody wants to, you know, students want to go away from home in the UK. Is it the same around Europe, said Marcus? Well, yeah, I, th- I think that's an interesting point. Um, there are cultural differences, um, certainly for the UK student. Um, going away to university is a rite of passage, a rite of passage to live in PBSA or university halls in the first year before then moving into houses of multiple occupation, the typical terraced house. And that is still very much in the UK student psyche, as Carlo mentioned, a rite of passage. What we have seen in a number of um, European countries, so France, Spain, probably Italy, where those that culture is changing. Traditionally, it had been about studying at your hometown university. Now, certainly, with the movement of, uh, of students around the country, they're becoming far more mobile. Um, and we have said, as Eri was mentioning, we're seeing that on a global basis as students move around the world wanting to uh, ensure that they capture the as best best education as possible. Yeah, I think I think there is a, <clears throat> there are other forces at play. Let me offer a, a thought. So I'm Italian, and my first degree is uh, was in was in Italy. And back then, uh, education, for example, in Italy, but the same can be said for Spain, was almost a commodity. So in the welfare state, uh, education, university was seen as uh, uh, healthcare. You get sick, you go to the hospital, you get treated for free. You want to study, you go to university, you study for free. That has changed in the past 15 years. And now the the universities around Europe, especially Southern Europe, they're waking up to the fact that university becomes a competitive advantage for the territory. So now there is a virtuous cycle of cooperation between municipalities, industries, and universities. And what is missing in the piece you know, is uh, the living part. So you can have the best curriculum in the world in Milan, but if if, if I come from China and I cannot live in a decent space, I'm not going to come. The reason is purely economics in a way. 
there is a huge competition between cities to attract talent. And, uh, and, you know, attraction and retention of talent means future uh, economic uh, growth because this talent is going to, to be the future of, uh, of, of these places they, they, that would lead, you know, to new startups, to new ideas, or it will, they will be employed by big companies uh, uh, based in these cities that, that they are searching and competing uh, with each other for talent. And that's why the whole attractiveness... Uh, attraction of, of education is not only down to the quality of the university, this is the, the top, uh, of course, factor, but it's also, you will see that cities are promoting the lifestyle, are promoting um, how interesting it is, it is to live in this place, what you can learn, how you can interact with other people, about food, about climate, about all, all these factors uh, come uh, into, into play. Absolutely. Uh, I think there are a, a couple of other things here that uh, we should think about. And um, the employment world is a very competitive situation at the moment. It isn't just about the country. It isn't just about Europe. It's about challenges from a competition from students globally for the for these jobs and in the uk we, as you were talking about earlier marcus it, it, it tends to be you know first year of a three-year degree you use this type of accommodation then you go somewhere else is is, is that different around europe do, do people tend to stay in that type of accommodation for the whole of their time at university well let me so uh, imagine you are a, again a chinese student and you want to rent a flat in milan because you, you enroll to polytechnic of milan so the hurdle you have to go through to find a share, a room shared in a flat in Milan are unthinkable. Language, uh, there is a lot of fraud going on in the in the shadow market. Uh, there is a lack of services, etc. So uh, you you go in a, one of these one of these facilities. You have one stop shop. You pay one bill. Everything is taken care of. And what we have observed in the state, uh, quite uh, interestingly, is that the more the student becomes focused on the curriculum for the, for the competitive attention Marcos was mentioning, the more the living part becomes important. Sure. Because they want to be, to be able to not have to think about that and be able to have a condition to be able to succeed in school. The impression I get from doing what little research I've done on this is that sort of the biggest market at the moment is the UK and the, and the other markets are smaller. Is there a danger with Brexit and, and all that sort of stuff that actually the number of international students coming to the UK to the biggest market for this drops off and actually the UK stops being a good market and, the, and it's the rest of Europe that has to pick up the slack? We call it a danger. The Europeans would call it, call it an opportunity. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it is, I, think, I think it is hard to, to see a massive drop in, in, uh, in the UK uh, because of the quality of the, of the universities on the one hand. And on the other hand, one-third of the international students in Europe is uh, Asia, is, is coming from Asia. Therefore, it doesn't rely uh, only on the European uh, student mobility, the whole uh, system and, and, the, and the UK system uh, uh, in particular. Um, and the demand from, from Asia uh, is, is expected to, to grow. And, and there is, there is a, the expectation to see um, higher demand, not necessarily from the Chinese. Actually, the Chinese might drop a bit because there is an improvement in their university supply over there but uh, from uh, from india i think that's right i think one other 
point we need to focus on is actually looking at the quality of the accommodation that is provided at the moment, um, which in a European context, it is still probably low quality generically compared to what is being provided in, in the UK. So in the UK, say we've, we have 650,000 bed spaces, uh, PBSA bed spaces, which are owned by the university and probably 50-60% owned by the private sector. If we look at the European landscape, a lot of the accommodation that is provided in country is by effectively uh, you know, semi-government organisations, which typically have been developed over the last sort of century. Now, those aren't really seen as fit for purpose. You know, many are you know, shared shared accommodation, living in dorms. Um, many many are segregated by sex. Um, many just don't have the the quality that is expected of um, uh, of PBSA by the student by the parents to attain the requisite uh, uh, degree. Carlo, does investing in this particular type of property is it different? in the way you do it, is the sort of mechanics of it different to investing in other types of commercial property? Yeah, I, well, it, it is different. I think that the, the major difference is that this is an asset class which is, in, in, as we say it in the industry, very operationally intensive. That means that it takes a lot of management, active management. They're almost like hotels. So you can have the best asset in the world, the best building in the world, well positioned, close to the university, etc. If it is not well, very well run, it destroys value. So what we are, we are vertically integrated. So we have we manage all the property we develop, and that piece of the property management, marketing, leasing is actually where most of the value is created and uh, maintained. And so to answer your question, yes, it is different. Uh, if you invest in an office office building, uh, property management, marketing, leasing is almost an afterthought. Uh, uh, the, the property management is, is a commodity. In student housing and uh, uh, rentals, residential for rentals, management is extremely important. So does think, that, sorry, Marcus, because I, I, maybe you could answer this, that uh, does that mean that the lessons that have been learned in the last 10, whatever it is, years that, that people have been seriously investing in this, can they be applied to other types of accommodation then? Can you move out of just students to, I don't know, well, it, other areas that you guys look at, like retirement living or people who are just, you know, the huge swathe of people who've just graduated and are now living in cities that they can't afford to, to rent in and, and things like that? Yeah, there are a number of... Um operators who cover the, the three three spectrums student housing multifamily and senior living uh, if we look at those from the us uh, ca ventures cover all of those segments um, they're now building bridgeheads into the uk market and obviously with their european network at student housing level because that's low-hanging fruit there is no doubt that they will be looking at how they can develop multifamily and in time senior living. No, the demographics are there for everybody to see clearly. The mother of lessons is that real estate is less about real estate, it's about service and experience. And that, if you notice, applies to offices, 
you know, we talk about WeWork, but now it spreads to retail, offices, and, of course, residential. So we, again, what the, the lesson we, we, that we learn from students are applied in our multifamily in the States, uh, PRS or BTR, whatever you want to call it here in Europe. So we manage all our buildings, actively manage. We provide a lot of amenities and active management because creating a community and curating the experience is what makes, you know, works on retention and uh, holding the value. There is an interesting uh, uh, dynamic at play is that now the millennials are in the process of leaving the student housing, leaving space to Generation X, and the millennials generation now they're looking to enter in the first accommodation. And the reason you know, we can spend another two hours talking about that, but this pr- provides very interesting challenges and opportunities in Europe and elsewhere. Eri, just uh, to wrap up this part of the conversation, how, how confident are you that the that the growth that's been happening in the last few years is going to carry on for the next few years? There is a risk for Europe because uh, the aging population. Uh, means that we're going to have less uh, young people uh, uh, studying. So that's, that's something to take into account. However, um, the, the second risk is, uh, is, uh, is that um, uh, the, the, the big source of uh, international students, uh, China, is developing their own uh, educational system. So we might see uh, stagnation on the, on the number of students coming from there. Uh, on the other hand, there, there is India, uh, which is, which is uh, uh, faster growing. It has much younger population uh, than even China, and, and that going, it's going to be a new, a new uh, source of, uh, of demand. And also what Carlo has been uh, uh, discussing about the changing uh, expectations of, of uh, students across, you know, across countries, across the board, of, of what do they want from their uh, purpose-built student accommodation? What do they expect from it? They're more demanding. They expect the experience. So there is a lot of opportunity for uh, more supply, for upgrading existing facilities. And we've done, we've done some numbers as well, and we've seen that if we take the U.K., which has a provision rate of, uh, you know, uh, 30, more than 30 percent, one of the three students can find a bed in the student accommodation. In, in Europe, this is below 10. One out of 10 students can find. So you can see that there is a great potential for growth still uh, in Europe. I want to do the Savile Standout statistic. I, I think as a tradition... Uh, because Eri is from is is the stats person from the research department, uh, we give her the chance to go first. Eri, what's your Savile standout statistic today? I I was trying to find something really really impressive, and um, and I think you know the the uh, what has been attracting the international students in in Europe is is the uh, English taught programs which. Ten years ago were like 55 all in all in, in Europe, and now there are almost 3,000 of them. Really? Wow, that's a massive, massive change. Uh, Carlo, what's your Savills? Your, your first ever Savills standard? I'm, I'm re- actually, the start I learned from our friends at Savills. Okay. So let's look at the um, ratio um, student and private bed. In the States, where we operate full steam, we have uh, 60 private beds for every 100 students. The ratio, as Eric said, is 100 to 30 in UK. The ratio in Spain is 100 to 7. In Italy, is 100 to 4. And in Netherlands, 100 to 10. 
So that gives you a little bit of a picture of the runway and why we think European opportunity will you know will be very interesting. Yeah, interesting. And that is why my killer stat from the start of the year is that there is over twenty five billion pounds of institutional money that is looking to invest in the residential space in Europe. In, in the in the student accommodation Students, space, residential uh, and in senior living, twenty five billion, 20, over twenty five billion from the conversations we have had. Guys, thank you all very, very much uh, for that. That's been absolutely fascinating. That's it for this episode of Real Estate Insights. Is all we've done is whipped your appetite for more information. Uh, you'll get plenty of stuff on the the research section of the Savills website, savills.co.uk forward slash research and if you aren't already a subscriber to real estate insights then feel free to become one you can you'll automatically get future episodes sent to you and you've got about 50 or so going backwards that you could listen to all of them absolutely fascinating in the meantime thanks for listening see you next time this podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.